The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Ten minutes after eight it is, and thank you so much for staying tuned to SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader this morning. On the forum at eight this morning, we interrogate the issue of ethics in politics. Now, in recent years, discussions on and efforts to curb ethical violations and enforce accountability have intensified in South Africa, and this is due in part to the increase in the incidence of unethical conduct and a lack of accountability amongst our politicians. On the forum at eight this morning, we will look at some of the scandals involving corruption and deceit at a political level that raises serious questions about political ethics. So the question we are putting to you is, is the relationship between politics and ethics on the rocks? And the lines, as always, are open 891 We'd love for you to weigh in and give us your views on this. You can also SMS us on 34701, Twitter, Facebook, AM Live on SAFM. And joining us uh, for this discussion is Professor Ben Churok, who's the editor of New Agenda. Thanks for speaking to us this morning, Professor. Good morning. And also uh, Professor Lisiba Tifo, who is a political analyst attached to the University of South Africa in our Pretoria studios. Good morning, Professor Tifo. Good morning to you and to the listeners and Elder Statesman Professor Panjurok. <laughs> Thank you very much. Now, in response to the question, is the relationship between politics and ethics on the rocks, our listeners have been very fast off the mark. And I just want to read uh, two SMSs to start us out. Jim in PE says, ethics in politics, you don't have to have um, a PhD or a real or imaginary one to know that the two words are mutually exclusive. And Anne in the Western Cape says, politics and ethics their very definition is a contradiction. But are they, um, uh, Professor Tifo, do ethics have a place in politics at all? Well, Absolutely, because many of us join politics for ethical reasons. I mean, when I was a student, I joined the political movement for ethical reasons because I believed in good conduct, I believed in a just society, Indeed, every political party, whatever, has ethics in their objectives. So, no, no, politics is rooted in ethics, make no mistake. But, of course, uh, we do have problems. And I, like your listeners and your commentators, am concerned that politics today, especially in South Africa, but in many countries, is devalued by unethical conduct. But uh, that's not because of politics. That's because of misconduct by politicians. And what we need to do is not to get cynical about politics. On the contrary, we need to take politics far more seriously. What we need to do is attack the misconduct by politicians. They're different things. And um, just, uh, Professor Tiffer, why is it important for our politicians to be ethical in their conduct or at the very least to be seen as such? Well, for two reasons. One is, the politicians in Parliament, for example, are representatives (coughs) of the people, and they have to represent those interests truly and honestly. Uh, Secondly, their own conduct is an example to other people, and if politicians behave badly, as some of us do, then uh, they are distorting the purposes for which they were elected. I was elected to represent the people of some people in, 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 well, people of South Africa as the ANC. 
And in our election campaign, we promised them all kinds of things. And if we're not true to those promises, we're being unethical. And uh, so we need to tackle that. And I should tell you that as when I was an MP a few months ago and as chair of the Ethics Committee, we tackled misconduct in Parliament. And we did it on the basis of what we were elected for. We were elected for certain political programs, highly important ethical programs, and we shouldn't be cynical about that. Uh, what, we, what we can be very strongly critical of is those who do not stay true to what they were elected for. That's misconduct. Professor Latiba Tifo, your views on that? Well, <laughs> uh, thanks. I think uh, he has covered a lot of things, and that, that's, that's correct. Look, um, p- politics is part of the study of philosophy, and ethics is also part of the study of philosophy, and philosophy is nothing but an, a world outlook. And uh, in all world outlooks, there are ethical principles and moral values, and it's important to make a distinction when it comes to that, because ethical principles are universal. Moral judgments are based on the basis are based on what people do, and in the current circumstances, we are saying there is no society that is not ethical. However, people abrogate or affront or corrupt ethics, and in their own interests, oftentimes. But those who go into politics, in the main, are driven by ethical considerations. Oftentimes, especially on the African continent, there was an unethical system called uh, colonization, slavery, apartheid. But those that ultimately succeeded in dethroning those who were presiding over those unethical systems tend ultimately to become themselves unethical, corrupt, and tending to suggest that you cannot be political at the same time be ethical. Mm. Perhaps that is the reason why in our constitution section 195 was considered essential for public office bearers and public office bearers by the way also include politicians and when they fail they fail as individuals not because the two are incompatible we should seek to find a way to reconcile the two and to get men and women of integrity men and women who get into office solely because they are committed to serving the public rather than the self but if we look at the current reality, if we look at the response to uh, Paolo Jordan's resignation, that, of course, is telling on us as a nation because we almost seem to be taken by surprise at the fact that the leader, a politician at that, actually resigned when his deceit was laid bare. Well, if I may, um, I, 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 I have immense regard for his intellectual prowess. And I even have more regard for Paolo Jordan for having fallen on his sword. And allow me to invoke the name of the former chief of the SARS, Mr. Obama Khashule. I shall forever regard him with immense regard, precisely because when it mattered most, he said, I would rather at least project an image that would ensure that the office that I serve is always regarded as more important than the benefits that I would derive had I defended myself at all costs. And I think these two guys have shown the way that when it matters most, it is important to sacrifice yourself at the altar of moral rectitude. 
than to seek to defend yourself up to the constitutional court when all three tribunals says you are guilty, you are at fault. There is a great can moral lesson in? to learn out of this. Can I come yes, in on Professor that? Chirac. You know, Pallar Jordan is a friend of mine and a comrade for 30 years. He's one of the best bra- he is one of the best brains in the ANC, if not the best. He is a highly sophisticated person and a very proud man. Why he did what he did, I don't understand. It was some kind of psychological quirk that made him want to conform to what society and academia expects of us, namely having degrees. It was a moment of vanity, it seems to me. But that doesn't detract from what Palo Jordan is. And we mustn't talk of him in the past tense. Palo is with us. He will be with us. He will contribute. He is an outstanding intellect. Now, he had a human failing. We all do. And uh, we should not condemn the man totally for having uh, that human failing. And he made up for it by confessing and so on. So let us treat him with respect and say, Palo, continue with the work. We need you. You are outstanding. And please uh, put this whole matter behind you. Mm-hmm. So it is so this- important. Does this then suggest that because uh, Paolo Jordan has fallen on his sword, we should treat him re- with respect? And therefore, to all the others uh, who have been called into question um, about various uh, transgressions in Parliament, we had the whole uh, Travelgate saga in Parliament, and nobody seemed to fall on their sword for that. Does this mean we shouldn't respect them? No, no. I think we, we make a difference. Uh, you know, people have pinched stole money, uh, that is a, a penalty, they deserve a penalty. Once they've served their time, then we close the chapter. Um, you know, it was Palo Jordan, uh, it was a human failing, it, it, and, and he didn't steal any money, he didn't, uh, you know, it's a different, a different kind of, this is a human failing, it is not theft, it is not corruption. But isn't theft and also a human failing? Professor Tura. I would put them in a different league, you know. And uh, I think, you know, maybe I'm biased, but Palo is an exceptional person. He's not a common, ordinary person, and we should treat him with respect. The man has a long history and a long record, enormous talents, a first-class brain. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, because he succumbed to a bit of vanity, wanting to conform to conventions, uh, I myself feel, well, it was a bad thing to do, but Palo... It was unethical, Professor. And and I want to bring in Professor Tefo in here, because I think very often we fall prey to uh, this uh, particular trap in that if we like somebody, if there's a politician who we like, was very popular, uh, we almost try to, you know, come to their rescue and defend what they did when it's very simple. Something is either ethical or unethical. Look, there there is a bigger context against which we should consider what is going on here. Um, I'm a teacher, and um, it is important, much as we talk about Paolo Jordan, to accept that he has failed the nation. He has failed those who are in leadership positions, whose duty is to teach morality, values, and ethics, like I do. But at the same time, 
while we don't want to detract from what his achievements, but we certainly we should not adulterate the wrong that he has committed. That we must at least emphasize and put out there as something that ought not to have happened. But at the same time, I shall always hold him in high esteem for what he has done as an intellectual, but most importantly, that when it matters most, he took an appropriate decision. You see, it is important. You mentioned travel gate. Mm-hmm. If we were to uphold certain standards, and especially based on the, the document by the, the ruling party through the eye of the needle, I have no doubt that at least 50% plus of the people sitting in parliament would not qualify. And if you take into account that even in Mangau, they came up with an integrity committee, and Professor Ben Chirok knows better about that. But how many a people have not been subject to that, or if they've been subject to that, under dubious circumstances, their, their matters were not pursued. So there is a bigger picture against which we should debate this matter, saying, by the way, there are men and women, especially young impressionable minds, that may be beginning to lose confidence in the values that we are trying to inculcate in them if we, in leadership roles, are not behaving in a manner deserving of their respect. And Professor Turok, what then do we expect of ordinary South Africans if the leaders, if our parliamentarians who are there to make sure that they actually show the law of the land, if they are unethical, what do we expect of ordinary South Africans, the impact of that behavior? No, I agree entirely. We must lay down standards. I think what we should do, to be very practical, is we should demand that the people in authority take the necessary action. The problem is, if you take the Integrity Committee and the ANC, there are some good people sitting there. There's Freni Jinwala, the former Speaker of Parliament, a very able lawyer, and she and her colleagues must demand that the National Executive take specific action against corrupt people and not just talk. I think that's what we should do, to be very practical. And I would say that the young people of South Africa, who we are asking to behave ethically, that they should not only behave ethically, but they should demand, and very concretely, that people should be punished. Our problem today is that people are not being punished. Let me tell you that 25% of the top public servants Okay, we seem to have lost uh, Professor Ben Turok there, and uh, we'll try and get him back. Uh, we still have pr- Professor uh, Tifo with us, but uh, let's just hear what some of our listeners have to say. The lines have been open, 891 Len, you're calling from Cape Town. Good morning. Hi, good morning. Um, what a pity that uh, Professor Ben is not on the line. We'll have him back. If you want to speak to him directly, Len, let me put you on hold until we get him back. No, 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 don't put me on hold. uh, This is just a a general question to both of the professors there. You know, they talk about integrity. Something that they didn't mention with regard, and I call him Pella, P-A-L-L-O-R, Pella Jordan. Um, How much integrity did he show um, if you'd read the reports, he came up with threats of goodness knows what and offers of goodness knows what for the journalist 
um, to sideline the whole issue. Now, how much integrity was there? I'm sorry, the man is rotten to the core. He has lived a lie for so many years. If he had any integrity, he would have come clean many years ago and said, listen, guys, I don't have a doctorate. I'm sorry. I will now work towards it. So there is no integrity. Okay. That's my view. Thank you, Len. Chris and Joba, good morning. Good morning, Sakina. How are you? Well, and you? Thanks. Uh, firstly, thanks for the very in, uh, inspiring guest that you have there. But the, my problem, I think the problem arises in the way that the moment we elect leaders into a particular office, we then change, we put them at a different pedestal from the from those of society. They have their own obligations. I'm sure you remember that one politician did say early in the early 90s that it is not uncommon for a politician to lie because some of them think that it is within their right to do right, they must do wrong. So maybe we really need to change how we look at things and our relationships with, 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 with the structures of society that remember that the first and the most basic and important citizen, important person in any organization is the member. And in this case, it's a citizen. So as citizens, we need to begin to influence the very ethics that uh, Professor Turok was part of. It needs to be part of society. It should reflect what society sees at right as well. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Chris. Pango and Mafi King, good morning. Yes. Good morning. I think... Uh, the professor is being unethical in this ethical discussion, uh, Professor Ben Turok. When it is uh, uh, Dr. Paolo Jordan, he wants to sugarcoat it. It's something less, it's about vanity. When in actual fact it was a lie, a lie that was perpetuated from 1962 or whenever. And Dr. Paolo Jordan had every opportunity to correct it. Now, the simple thing is, put your feelings aside, put your, your allegiances aside. There is no difference between Saudi Mutsunin and then to, I mean, uh, Dr. Paolo Jordan. They were simply unethical, both of them. All right. Thank you so much, Pango. Um, Professor Lisifa Tifo, uh, your uh, comment on what our listeners have raised? Look, Abid, um, let's not attribute integrity to Paolo Jordan. He has lived a life for far too long. And uh, I think there is a debate that I, 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 is discernible for me here. Mm-hmm. The one that says there is immense intellectual contribution made, which doesn't necessarily equate to being ethical or principled. And uh, that, that's where I think the conflation can be misleading and uh, fallacious. He has failed us in terms, at the altar of integrity, he failed completely. But as an intellectual and as somebody who's contributed immensely to advancing the political discourse, and the, the liberation movement to where it ultimately yielded the result we all enjoy. That is, that, that is a given that we accept. So that's fine. But the temptation is... Let me use this example then. Um, therefore, if we use the example of Claudi Mutsuening at the SABC, we could say that even though he may have um, you know, uh, misrepresented his educational qualifications, the fact that he's managed to turn around the financial fortunes of the SABC therefore um, should put us in a position to forgive him for that transgression. I have never used the word forgive and I'll never use the word forgive even when it pertains to Paolo Jordan. I just put a high premium on the achievement made, right? And I say he has done the right thing. Similarly and equally, Saudi should do same. And hence I said earlier on that I have immense respect for Opa Mahashule. 
when it mattered for a lot he fell he fell on his shot on his sword that's why when this debate began suddenly it, he came to my mind and said what a good example the fellow said we have one iec we have one person right now who and many other people who even want to solicit the intervention of the courts in order to defend or to protect themselves from the wrongs committed there are many people who have claimed and embellished their CVs who have accessed resources because, precisely because of the embellishment or the non-existence of the alleged qualifications. We must condemn them with the all that we have in order to encourage and to motivate, especially the young ones, that there is value in education, there is value in qualifications, although in and by themselves they are not enough. And that's where Paolo Jordan failed himself, that he didn't need a PhD in and by itself. According to me, Paolo Jordan is a PhD. By the way, I'm a product of many philosophers who didn't have a PhD. Some of them, not even junior lecturers, but themselves found millions of PhDs written on the smaller pieces of work they did. Paul, uh, Martin Heidegger, uh, Aristotle, mm. Jean Paul Sartre. These are the men who didn't have PhDs, but there are millions, millions of professors who are based on their scholarship. Okay, we, we, we have to take a break. This is not, of course, about uh, uh, Paolo Jordan in particular. It's about ethical politicians, ethical behavior, ethical conduct by our politicians. But, of course, it makes sense that this one would come up because it is, I guess, the most recent example of uh, that ethical conduct that we are looking for in our leadership. It is uh, 29 before 9 right now. We have to go to news with Vibakshi Chetty, but we'll come back on continue with the conversation. Thank you so much, uh, Rob. And uh, with 26 minutes before nine, time to check in with Rowena Bird. What's coming up on Morning Talk? The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Thank you so much, Rowena. And this morning on the Forum at 8, we are asking you, is the relationship between politics and ethics on the rocks? And we're in conversation with Professor Lesifa Tifu as well as Professor Ben Turok. I just want to run through some of the messages coming through. Uh, Charmaine Moore says, ethics committees should be made up of members of the public. Politicians um, are there to cover each other in case uh, something happens to them. And uh, many people talking about uh, the Palo Jordan uh, saga and of course, this is not purely about uh, uh, Paulo Jordan. Anything else that you would like to raise about our politicians that raises ethical questions in your mind, uh, we will talk to. And some of the SMSs coming through, Dan in Pretoria says, can the two profs first give listeners their credentials? We can't trust the so-called learned intellectuals anymore for the, uh, for, for the sake of some of us who are less informed. Please start by indicating how one becomes a professor. So all of this is now suddenly thrown into question. We're questioning everybody's credentials. Joe in Peter Marisberg says, ethics, whose ethics? It can't be possible to talk of ethics in abstraction. We have to look at the concrete conditions, political, social and economic conditions upon which society is premised in order to define ethics. 
uh, this one unsigned says ethics should be underpinned uh, in all parts of life, but it should underpin all parts of life. But ethics and politics are becoming mutually exclusive in South Africa. Cry the beloved country. Kwane says it's easier to find a needle in a haystack than to find an ethical leader in our national leadership, starting in the office of the president. And Mdu Toti says generally politicians are greedy people with absolutely no ethics whatsoever. Paul in Cape Town sends an SMS saying that ethics, can someone please tell me why Mr. Jordan shouldn't be charged with fraud as this false title obviously meant much more in monetary compensation for him. And um, Maswabi in Dobsonville says the predatory and deceitful nature of politics does not make it possible for ethics to cohabit in the same space with it. And of course, uh, we'll read a few more of those um, SMSs as we move along. But the calls are coming in thick and fast. 0891-104-208. And uh, if you've just joined us, the question we are asking, is the relationship between politics and ethics on the rocks in South Africa? And um, Professor Tifo, when we look at the Inkandla saga, for example, there was Dinapule, people talking about Julius Malema and his tax issues, and so many others regarding our politicians, where people feel that uh, perhaps, you know, our politicians should actually take responsibility for uh, their conduct, but this doesn't seem to happen. What's your view on that? Yeah, look, uh, that's really what this debate is about. For me, it is much broader than what transpired in relation to Paolo Jordan. Um, Political office. You see, I, I made reference to the Constitution, Section 195 of the Constitution, and equally, uh, but to be the principle, that came in five, ten years later, when we realized that uh, the constitution uh, precepts are not being upheld. And after Batupili principles, again we try to come up with a charter of values. Why are we trying to do all these things? Precisely because we have a feeling that, uh, a sense that um, politics is becoming too murky. And as is often the case on the African continent, it becomes, it, it has more to do with the stomach. And precisely because of that, then the lines get bled and people lose respect for the politicians. And the politicians have, don't have the courage of their convictions that when they are caught or when they have, even, though, even if they are not caught, just to say, I have had mea culpa, therefore, therefore I step down. That's why the West will remain in some small way, perhaps in certain instances, a model. Because some people would say, because of a junior officer, in my department or my ministry, who has failed, I therefore resign, taking responsibility for that. But in our instance, people will fight up to the highest court in the land. Mm. People will be defended by their seniors, despite that the, 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 the very constitutions of their organizations lay out the procedures and the principles of how, when one is caught, should be dealt with. So again, then we begin to say, can we trust them? Can we say with a straight face that ethics and politics can cohabit in our space? And Professor Turok Charmaine Moore to that end says that the, the ethics committee should be made up of members of the public because she says you can't trust politicians because they will simply cover for one another. That I was in parliament for 20 years and many of the MPs were honest, straight, 
good people. Let's not get so cynical that we say every political leader, every politician is corrupt. It's not true. They necessarily, we emphasize the wrongdoing of the few, and these days maybe it's not so few, but we can't generalize and say everybody in politics is corrupt. It's not true. But I think I would like to shift the debate a little bit to say, given that there is too much corruption in our society today, and by the way, the private sector is also corrupt. So, you know, it's not only public sector. They, it takes two to tango. Uh, but what I want to shift the debate to is what should be done. We know that in every day in our newspapers there are stories of senior people, uh, civil servants, uh, private sector people, politicians who act corruptly. What should we do? What should we do? And I would like to raise that question and ask your leaders, your, your listeners, uh, and my colleague. What should be done? Because it's not enough to whine and complain and say people are corrupt. Yes, of course, there is corruption and there is wrongdoing. But what should we do as a society? Because we need to act. We need to act because there's far too much wrongdoing in our society generally. Uh, and it's not just politicians. You know, it's not cheap to say all politicians are corrupt. It's not true. I have never been corrupt in 20 years, and many of the members of parliament are not corrupt. But there are so, members of parliament who are corrupt, uh, absolutely, Professor Absolutely. Chiu. And the ethics committee is there to act, and we acted. I can mention Yolanda Boerta, I can mention Dinah Pule, I can mention others against who we acted and who were exposed. So, you know, yes, there are corrupt politicians and there are corrupt ministers, no doubt. All right. I'm not, going to, anything, I'm not going to say anything about the president. The point, the point I want to say is simply this. What should we do? And I'd like you to help us lead the discussion in that direction. We'll get to that, uh, Professor Chirok. Um, uh, Professor Chirok says he's not going to talk about uh, the president. Uh, Professor Tiffer, would you care to say anything about the president or not? Okay, no, before I even go there, look, um, it's not about cynicism, Ray, the politicians or the public office bearers. It's the reality of our time. And if we don't want to confront that, then we are going to perpetuate the ills that are going on, trying to... Uh, to defend the indefensible. I think there is not even a single caller who has said or would, uh, would say all politicians are corrupt. To date, I don't remember Nelson Mandela accused of any form of corruption, one way or another. No Tabon Beggy as an individual. No uh, President Mkante, one way or another. And many other people to the, in that regard. But having said that, we acknowledge that Corruption is rampant among the public officers and even in the private sectors and even rare individuals. But Professor Churok is asking a good question, namely, what should be done? Well, of, course, uh, of course, there is a question about the president. Mm. Uh, you know, for a fact, uh, in many ways, prior to assuming office, he was entangled in many, many, many allegations that at the altar of moral rectitude, he would have failed dismally. At the altar of moral attitude, universally speaking, if you, even if you invoke principles of natural justice. So I would, I, would, I would leave it at that. But then 
when we say what should be done, I think somebody says maybe the public should also be part of the integrity committee. That should be investigated. I think there is merit in that. They should also be part of that integrity because you can't be a player and a referee at the same time. We have seen how that gets to compromise individuals, especially when factions become at least the order of the day within various parties. What should be done? We, this question was answered by the founding fathers of South Africa when they conceived and drafted the constitution. Chapter 9 institutions were in, in the main intended to defend, to protect the constitution and to uphold moral values that would at least render us as a shiny model on the continent and in the universe. But you and I know that one of the very formidable instruments or organizations that fought corruption successfully was at least dissolved. And I'm talking about the scopes here. Mm-hmm. Had we not at least exp- uh, out of expediency discarded the scorpions, possibly, maybe, corruption wouldn't be as rampant as all that. But that's fine. Let's try to look at make strengthen those institutions. Let's make sure that the NPA does the job it is meant to do without political interference. Let's make sure that all Chapter 9 institutions that are meant to promote the rights, the values, the principle, and uphold the constitutions are treated and respected and not interfered with. Let us, as a people, go back to the classroom, especially at a tender age. I remember, uh, uh, I think that is St. Augustine who said, catch them young. Okay. If there are mer- moral values that we can at least inculcate in the children, I'm one of those who, at least at the morning assemblies in my days, there was religious education. Mm. And not Christian education, I repeat. The religious education to inculcate values at a tender age. Any religion just spent at least an hour per week teaching moral values. At least, I think there is no religion that is not anchored on ethical principles or on moral values. That's one way of looking at it. But if you want to change the world, Sakina, start with yourself. I think that is the greatest thing we can do. The starting point is the one that says you want to change the world, start with yourself. All right, and of course, taking your calls again now, 0891-104-208. We are asking, is the relationship between politics and ethics on the rocks? And uh, obviously, you'd love to hear your views, any suggestions you may have, as uh, Professor Churok is asking, so what should we do? What should be done now? Uh, Let's uh, go back to the lines. KGM in Cape Town, good morning. Good morning, Sakina. Good morning to your guests and your listeners. Sakina, um, I'm going to be brief and straight to the point. It hurts me when I listen to uh, people refer to former President Nelson Mandela as a role model because without being personal, he crushed my moral belief when I was a young man aspiring to be a politician and I could not stomach his immorality in terms of his leadership. Now, with due respect to what the prophet has been saying, he should know that he, what he represents there is his own personal knowledge. There are other people like myself out there who have been crushed by the system. Now, we cannot use morality and politics in the same line. As much as uh, Professor Ben Turok can love to really try to push this thing to that level, it's, 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 it's not there. We represented, we as, as the youth at the time, we, represent, we presented a solution to this dilemma where before it was even as bad as it is at the pre-talks and at Codessa. 
we said at that time, because we picked up that there were a lot of politicians who had fake uh, qualifications. We said at that time, can everybody's qualification be thrown into into the, the bin? Meaning that we needed to start the country at the, at the clean slate, start everything afresh so that everything can be validated. Because if you look at it, Sakina, and I'm not only referring to the ANC, mm. political parties which were banned in the country had a lot of their members in different parts of the world studying, some of which cannot be uh, verified, including the likes of uh, 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 Paolo Jordan. It's not just Paolo Jordan. Paolo Jordan is the tip of an iceberg. Now, in closing, with response to what uh, Professor uh, um, uh, Turok is asking, here's a simple solution, Prof. Uh, going back to basics in terms of morality is a very simple solution. You use Professor... Uh, 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 said said something like catch them young. I was young. I was crushed when I was young. Let's have a a law which which instigated a law that is very simple, straightforward, and it must be enforced. Let mm-hmm. all these so-called qualifications be thrown into the beam and let's start afresh. All right. Thanks, KGM. Satkola in Polzov. Good morning. Good morning. How are you, Sakina? Well, and you? I'm okay. Good morning to you, uh, panel as well. Um, uh, I just want to comment about the ethics and politics thing. Um, ethics has been dead in politics for a very long time. If, if you look at uh, on the international front, in the national institutions like the UN, NATO, World Bank, they, they don't act based on moral considerations. They act based on greed. Their, their motivations or their actions are motivated by greed. Uh, and coming back to South Africa, it's the same thing. Our politicians are motivated by greed and self-interest. Uh, right to the top, and it's not just politicians, like the professor was saying, it's business, it's, in fact, our society as a whole. There's a moral decay in our society that we need to arrest, um, because what we find, look at the president, look at the deputy president, their characters have been um, tainted, and yet still, they are leading our country. What does that say about us as, as, as people, as society? That All right. Thanks so much, Sakola. Let's go to Mbomvu in Midrand. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Well, and you? Fine. Uh, well, I, I, I'm a little bit worried about uh, why the Sunday Times is actually breaking this story now. You know, and let me say since 1994, they haven't noticed that actually, as they say, uh, Mr. Jordan has been lying about these qualifications and all that. And there's a whole lot of stories around this, you know, how the ANC has been chased around the world and, uh, you know, uh, all the time they, 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 they were being banished, you know. And, uh, you know, in fact, the point that he scored while, while writing his master's and actually uh, uh, before he could start doing his PhD and the fact that, in fact, they were banished from the states just before he finishes exams, that is not mentioned, right? So I'm, I'm just worried about the objectives, because if you have watched this movie by Jihan Al-Tahiri, uh, Beyond the Rainbow, you know, which interrogates uh, the history of our democracy, you know, I think this is what this is all about, you know, because actually... Uh, Dr. Jordan is the one that actually interrogates too much, you know, and he speaks uh, uh, broadly about uh, actually uh, the errors that uh, Nelson Mandela committed. 
Okay, got you there, Mbombo um, in Midrand. Busiwekaya um, in Bishu, good morning. Good morning, Sakena. It's been a while. It certainly has. Welcome. Thank you. Good morning to your guests. Look, I, I first of all, let me request you to concertize your, your guests that they, they should not be that long when they give their points because they have to consider the callers as well. But I, I want to agree with P- Professor Turok that we we are very narrow in looking at this issue because politicians are a, a few group of people in a sea of millions. And once we, we begin to focus uh, this issue on, on, on those people who are there for five years, they go out, they are elected, or someone is elected, we create a problem for 20 years. We've been bashing only politicians when it comes to ethical corruption and fraud issues. That is why today we've got private companies that defraud the state at a drop of a hat, and no one says anything about that. No one is having a talk show on that. No one is taking them to to, to court about that. The TP does nothing about that. The the Competition Commission simply charges them a a drop Mm -hmm. in the ocean. And at the end of the day, once we, 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 sil- we are selective on these issues, we are going to breed more of these type of people. I agree with what the ANC Provincial Secretary said in, in the dispatch study, that the same barometer, the same correct moral barometer we use for politicians, we must use it for society, we must use it for academics, we must use it for all sectors of, of okay. our, including traditional Fair leaders. Enough. Because Fair the enough. last thing I want to bring in, Sakina, mm-hmm. Look at the morality issues of our country. Look at the number of people that defraud social services, the money that is going to Gogos, the money that is paying uh, indigenous households to get access to services. That's where the problem is. Let's not look at politicians only. Well, that's fair enough. And, and, and yes, while everything that you uh, are saying is, pos- is, is true, we should be looking at you know the DK and other parts of society as well. The question this morning, however, does relate to the relationship between politics and ethics and also because remember politicians are elected they are our elected representatives we as the people of South Africa put them into those positions and as such we as the people of South Africa have every right to ask questions of them whereas when it comes to academics I did not vote for uh, Professor Tifo to be at UNISA or for any other academic to be wherever they may find themselves and you know therefore we should be able to actually just differentiate between those but this is about our represented uh, our elected representatives and holding their accountable and scrutinizing their conduct and we are simply asking is that relationship between politics and ethics the one that we do expect to be alive and well is it on the rocks that's the question this morning professor turok if you'd like to respond uh, to uh, some of the issues raised kgm talked about fake qualifications and he says you know right uh, during the time of negotiations this issue had been raised. Is it something that you are aware of? And let me say I agree with you, and I think you're quite right to say that because people, politicians are elected, they have a special responsibility to account. I think that's absolutely correct. But, you know, what the, the problem is a little bit deeper, and what astounds me is that somebody who went to prison for years somebody who suffered and joined politics 
for genuine reasons, like I did. I was a student, I was a white middle class person, and instead of becoming a respectable professional, I went to prison. <laughs> you know, that's not for greed. That was out of conviction. And what, is, what we have to remember is many of the people who are misbehaving now indeed joined politics for good reasons. The ANC was full of genuine, committed cadres. But somewhere along the way, things went wrong, and some of them went into misconduct and unethical behavior. You see, I want our young people who are listening to not to be cynical. Politics is a genuine occupation. Of, it is full of values. It is full of commitment. You join a trade union for genuine reasons. You don't join it for greed. You join a political organization because you believe in it. But that doesn't mean to say that things don't go wrong later on. And what has happened is because the ANC, which was a genuine, honest organization, and still is in many ways, but once the ANC came into power, opportunities opened up and peop some people succumbed. That's the truth of the matter. So we must get our perspectives right. There is nothing wrong with politics. Politics is rooted in ethics, mm -hmm. as my colleague is saying. But once politics gets into power, opportunities open up and people begin to go wrong. That's the problem. Okay, uh, Professor Tiffo, before I come to you, let me read a few Facebook comments. Uh, Josfat Kumalo says, In politics, it's all about survival of the fittest. Politicians preach about ethics at political rallies, but it ends right there. Uh, Tabo Madumela says, uh, Politics is a dirty game. There's no ethics in politics, or perhaps in politicians themselves. As far as I'm concerned, politicians are rotten to the core. This friend from uh, Jabu Chilwane, and uh, Jabu writes that what Palo Jordan did was unethical and after being found out he took an ethical decision salute him for that it must be noted that all he owed uh, us if uh, there was anything at all was an apology nothing more and Banele says uh, we must not place our trust in individuals or leaders but rather on teams or programs of the system and Sfisos Melane says uh, firstly what we must ask is what who defines or sets ethics and what can be ethical to you may not be ethical to me. Those are some of the comments. And I see uh, Benzi in Bethal in Mpumalanga gave us a call and he says, perhaps we should champion an ethics in politics summit. Uh, Professor Tifo? Yeah, well, thanks. Um, just quickly to say, Nelson Mandela was the first to say I'm no saint. Right? Um, two let's not assume that uh, corporate wealth is not ethical. What it does best is that it subscribes to Ethic Institute of South Africa. It appoints ethical um, ethics managers in the institutes and in the organizations. They deal with matters expeditiously. And on that basis, we may not even know about th those things. But as, as Professor Ben Chirok says, and I consider him an elder statesman, and I put a hum premium on his intellect, that let's not be cynical about politics. Let's be, we are cynical about politicians. Politics and politicians are two different things. We are political animals rooted and grounded in Ubuntu ethics or morality. 
And when we fail, it is not the system that fails. We are the ones who are failing. Hence, I, 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 I close by saying, you want to change the world, start with yourself. And that's where we're going to leave it. Thanks so much to Professor Liseba Tifo and Professor Ben Turok and to our fantastic listeners for participating so enthusiastically as always. Production team, uh, thanks. Always doing a great job. It went out loud and clear. And we'll be back tomorrow. Right now, it's a minute after nine. Time for news with Vabakshni Chetty.